Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ready for some fantasy hockey streaming advice, it's time for the most styling, profiling, wheeling and dealing, jet flying, limousine riding podcast in all the land. It's the reigning, defending, undisputed fantasy hockey streaming champion of the world. It's the stream Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to the greatest fantasy hockey podcast that focuses on streaming players for the upcoming week. It's the Stream Scheme. We won't be talking about your superstars like your John Carlson's or your Victor Hedman's here. No, sir, Bob. Here we get down to the nitty gritty, the dark depths of fantasy hockey that those other podcasts, psh, they're too scared to touch. We are presented by the greatest fantasy hockey podcast in the world, Keeping Carlson. And as I previewed on the Keeping Carlson Patreon Facebook page this week, I have something a little different for you guys this week. Don't worry, we will get back to our eventual weekly streamer picks. I wouldn't let you guys down in that regard. But this past week, I was pretty depressed and I started to think a little bit more long term in regards to this fantasy hockey season. Now, some people would wait at least until Christmas to do their rest of the season predictions. And of course, that's when I do my stream scheme, buy low, sell high Christmas spectacular. And that makes sense because at that point in the season, everyone has played about half their game. So it's easy to project where players should end up by the end of the season. However, whenever you're two and seven and in dead last, Every week is of absolute critical importance, so I need these next two weeks as bad as I'm going to need the last two weeks of the regular season, and so I'm really not this deep analytics guy. I am, at the very least, a schedule guy, so I went through and manually looked at every single day from Monday, December 9th, until March 22nd. Why March 22nd? Well, that is when the Cupful playoffs and which is all I really care about is if I'm relegated or not. I'm trying to just get to the relegation tournament and make my way out of it somehow. So I guess if you wanted to, it wouldn't be too hard. There's, I think, two weeks after that, the second to last regular week, which is, and then there's the last week of the season, which pretty much is the same for every team. So that last week isn't a great week for streaming, obviously. And so what I want to find out is who has the best off day schedules the rest of the way or the best streaming schedules, if you will. And it's like I always say, busy days and off day games depend on how many other teams are playing that day. And this can be up for debate, but I ended up settling my parameters as such. If there's 12 teams or less playing on that day, that's a slow day for sure. If there's 18 teams playing on that day or more, that's a busy day for sure. 14 teams and 16 teams playing on a day are kind of the gray areas. I went with saying that 14 teams playing on a day is still a slow day, but on the high side of that, and while 16 teams playing is still a busy day, but on the low side of that, I guess if that makes any sense. So what I did is I went through and I ran two different sets of data, one considering when 14 teams playing on a day 
is considered a busy day and one set of data where 14 teams playing on a day is considered a slow day. Uh, the data wasn't that different, but including 14 teams playing on a day as a slow day helped some teams jump up from like a pretty decent schedule to a really good schedule, as you'll see. So in between our two sets of data, some teams always had bad streaming schedules no matter what. Some teams always had good streaming schedules no matter what. And then we made 14 teams playing a slow day into a busy day. That made some teams jump up and some teams jump down. Not a whole lot jumped down, but we'll mention some that did jump up. First, let's talk about the teams that had good schedules with both sets of data. Generally speaking, with 14 teams playing being a slow day, we considered any team that played more than a third of the rest of their games, so 33% of their remaining games being on an off day as a good streaming schedule. Four teams fit this bill. They were the Anaheim Ducks at 36%, the New York Rangers at 39%, the Colorado Avalanche at 41%, and the Washington Capitals at 41%. Now, whenever I look at percentages of off-day games when including 14 teams being a slow day, the baseline for what I'd consider a good streaming schedule went up to 40% as opposed to 33%. Um, all of the teams that met that, the Ducks up went up to uh, 44%, the Rangers went up to 46%, the Avalanche went up to 46% as well, and the Capitals went up to 45%. Naturally, there were a lot more teams with bad schedules that stayed bad with both sets of data. For 14 teams playing being a busy day, I considered a bad schedule to be less than one-fourth of their remaining games being on an off day, or less than 25%, and with 14 teams playing being a slow day, I considered anything less than 28% of their remaining games being a slow day on a bad streaming schedule. So the teams that had bad schedules no matter what were the Buffalo Sabres at 22 and 24%, the Montreal Canadiens at 22 and 24%, the Nashville Predators at 21 and 26%, the New Jersey Devils at 20 and 22%, the New York Islanders at 21 and 23%, the San Jose Sharks at 23 and 21%, the St. Louis Blues at 18 and 27%, although that is a pretty significant jump, although still pretty bad, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning at 18 and 24%, and lastly, the Toronto Maple Leafs at 23 and 25%. And lastly, there's two teams that jumped up from having okay schedules in our first set of data. Then when we turned the 14 team days into a slow day, they ended up actually having pretty good streaming schedules the rest of the way. Those teams were the Detroit Red Wings, which were originally at 33%, which was right on the borderline of having a good schedule. But then they shot up to 44%, which is clearly a great schedule the rest of the way. The other team was the Pittsburgh Penguins, who were at 31% originally, and then jumped up to 40% in our second set of data. So I just threw a whole bunch of information at you. You may want to listen through it again if what I was saying doesn't make first sense on a first listen. And obviously this would be a great episode to make sure you go check out the show notes as well. So what's all this information mean? If you have a superstar on one of those teams with a bad streaming schedule the rest of the way, don't panic uh, because those guys are still going to get a start even if they do play on the busy days that week, right? I mean, those are guys you're starting no matter what. However, if you do have a superstar on one of those teams that has a great streaming schedule to rest it away, well, then it does give them up a little bump in value because that means you'll have more spots open on those busy days so that hopefully you won't end up having to bench anyone. 
Furthermore, if you have fringe guys on those teams with bad streaming schedules the rest of the way, it might be worth getting rid of them sooner rather than later because odds are if they're one of the players who you're debating on whether they should or should not play on those busy days, they'll probably be causing more trouble for you than they're worth the rest of the way. So since I'm such a nice guy and I promise this would be an episode well worth your money of free, not only am I giving you that crucial rest of the season schedule information, I'm also going to go through some of those teams real quick and give a buy low, sell high, drop bait, pick them up advice. Rapid fire. Are you ready? Here we go. For the Anaheim Ducks, one of my favorite players, Ricard Raquel, Ricky Racks, as I like to call him, buy low. Only two points in his last five games. He can be had for the right guy. The Silver Surfer, Jacob Silverberg, great buy low option right now. Only one point in his last six, but shoots a decent amount and still has 19 points even after this recent cold stretch. Strike while the iron is cold. And while... As a pickup guy, he was a streamer who did hit last week, Adam Henrique. He made good on my stomach punch guarantee and had a goal on seven shots. You could do a lot worse if you needed a center with a great schedule the rest of the way. For the Buffalo Sabres, I'm selling high on Sam Reinhart. 23 points in 30 games looks amazing, but he doesn't shoot a lot and he's really line dependent. I'd see what I could get for him right now with that bad schedule. Victor Olofsson, eh, it's close, but I think you got to hold on to him right now. Probably not a bad idea to shop him right now to see if someone might make you a reasonable offer, in which case I'd probably take it drop any other saber less than that. The Colorado Avalanche, obviously a very interesting situation with the Avs being the front runners for Taylor Hall, which could change a lot of things in Colorado. Unfortunately, not a lot of great buy low candidates in Colorado, just that the rich kind of get richer. You're holding on to your mid-level guys like Don Skoy and Kadri, and I'd look to pick up guys like Matt Calvert, who's nickel has 15 points in 22 games this season. Definitely add Birkowski where available, and if Hall is traded to Colorado, pick up JT Comfort as well just because hey you never know who he might play with. The Montreal Canadiens, I am holding on to Shea Weber and I am selling the rest of my Habs. That's right, sell high on Gallagher, sell high-ish on Tomas Tatar, sell Philip. oh you did know, dunno, sell Jeff Petrie, sell Max Domi, sell them all. The Nashville Predators probably will be tough, but I am selling high on Ryan Ellis. He started to cool off after a hot start, and with a bad schedule the rest of the way, I don't like him probably as much as his owners probably do. I'd sell on Ekholm if you can, although uh, you can probably get more from him if you included him in like a package deal than you would maybe just straight up. Sell Matt Duchesne and drop Ryan Johansson. Why do you even have that disgusting excuse for a human being on your team? Ugh gross drop him yesterday yeesh the new jersey devils terrible news for devils owners this week as not only they could lose taylor hall but they've also got a crap schedule the rest of the way it turns out and unfortunately guys aren't even doing that good there in new jersey so not a lot of great sell high candidates there kyle palmieri might be a guy that you can include in a package deal or maybe someone not, might not realize that jack hughes hasn't been mediocre so far this year and you can get some for him uh, and maybe Vatanen as well, I guess. He's been good enough to just not drop. But yeah, 
Try to trade Palmieri, Hughes, and Vatnin if you can. Uh, someone in our Saturday short shifts chat uh, that I was filling in for yesterday asked if they should trade Gensel for Hall. And I said no for the Gensel owner, but if I'm the Hall owner, I definitely would put that offer out there to see if, hey, maybe they'll take the bait. New York Islanders sell all of them and drop everyone who you cannot sell, maybe except for Varlamov. He's great. Might be a good time to sell Grice, though. The New York Rangers, the Benajad, might be a decent buy low if you're in a league with scrubs and it's just they're just looking at season ranking as opposed to his 16 points in 15 games. Uh, Truba is a pretty good buy low option if you really lay it on thick to the owner who has him that uh, Truba is not on the top power play right now and stuff like that. I think Kako is a great buy low option. He might hit a rookie wall or maybe it goes the other way and he just kind of gets the flow of things and he starts crushing it. So I love him as a buy low. Uh, Kreider is a decent buy low, I guess, but he might get traded. So I'm not as crazy about him. As far as pickups go, Buchnevich where available is a good one. But other than that, they shift their lines so much it's hard to predict who will be playing with who. Just kind of keep an eye on their lines and who's available on the waiver wire at any one point in time. The Pittsburgh Penguins. It might be a little late now. You should have made your offers earlier. Yeah, I'm talking to you guys in my league. But this might be the last week you can still make someone a reasonable offer for Crosby because it still might be like one more month that he's out. After this week, though, Crosby owners will be pretty pot committed at that point. Uh, great time to buy low on Brian Rust right now, in my opinion. He was hurt, and now he's pointless in his last two coming back from that injury. So I love him. If you can swing a deal for him, do it. Pickups are tough to advise right now with the Penguins just because I have no idea how the lines are going to shake out once Sidney Crosby comes back. Gensel and Malkin are playing great with each other, but I think Gensel has proven he's really going to be great no matter who he's playing with. Uh, they really don't have any other wingers other than him and Rust, and so it'll be very interesting to see what happens comes back when he comes back. So keep your eyes peeled to at Game Day Lines on Twitter or Game Day Lines tweet dot com for all the latest in line shakeups. The San Jose Sharks, I guess I will reluctantly consider Couture and Kane superstars for now, so hold on to them and of course Carlson and Burns, but the rest of them, you can get rid of those Sharks. You can probably fetch a good price for Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle, but yeah, you can drop LeBanc, Goodrow, etc. St. Louis Blues, I'd say you can hang on to the top four guys of Perron, Shen, Petrangelo, and ROR, but that's about all that need to be owned in St. Louis right now. I'd still sell those guys if you can get a good deal for them. Definitely actively try to sell shorts and see what you can get for him, but then drop the rest of your Blues. The Tampa Bay Lightning, same thing here. Hang on to the top four of Kutch, Hedman, Stamkos, and Point. You can maybe get a decent return for Palat and Shattenkirk, but I would just drop the rest. And the Toronto Maple Leafs hang on to the top six, including Barry, since he might be sniping that top power play spot. But other than that, you can probably get sneaky value for Jake Muzzin in leagues that include Paris. But I'd cut bait on guys like Kapanen, Mikhaev, and Janssen. The Washington Capitals, another one of those rich get richer teams, so congrats if you have any caps, I guess. Baxter might be a good guy to buy low on since he's been hurt for a while. And similarly, even though he's been great, I'd still see what I can get for Vrana. Uh, he's 27th overall in a couple points for this season right now, which is both insane and absolutely unsustainable for him once Backstrom comes back, which might be pretty soon. So I still would definitely hold on to Vrana, but definitely worth seeing what you can get for him on the open market. 
I'd also pick up Lars Eller where available and definitely keep Orloff on that watch list because you never know when that John Carlson injury might hit. So that's my little intervention special for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that. If you have any questions about it, definitely hit me up. I am always happy to answer those for you all. Now let's get back to our regularly scheduled weekly streamer picks. Real quick though, let's review how I did last week in case anyone forgot. My forward streamers were Tyler Toffoli, Connor Garland, Adam Henrique, Jimmy VC, and Jesper Buckfist. Our defensive streamers were Brady Shea, Calvin DeHaan, and Marco Scandello. Our shallow league streamer of the week was Blake Coleman, while our ludicrous streamer of the week was Alex Chieson. Tyler Toffoli, our Twitter chirp stream of the week, failed us, so that segment didn't work. Uh, at least it looked like it might have. He started off the week with an assist and then nothing all the way the rest of the week. So, hey, Tyler Aeoli, you softy, you blew it, hey! Connor Garland, one goal in three games, meh. Not good enough. The shutout against Pittsburgh really hurt us, but he does play today, so you never know. Adam Henrique only played two games so far since he plays today as well, but one goal, eight shots, and six hits, and a block for good measure so far in those two games, so that is a win in my book. Jimmy VC, oh, Jimmy, 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 let us down big time. Remind me to never stream that bum ever again. Jesper Buckfist, uh, just a brutal week for me so far here. Buckfist did nothing and therefore is dead to me. Brady Shea, no points for Shea. A decent number of perifs, but not enough to count this as a win with just perifs alone. So I'll take another L here. Calvin DeHaan, I tried telling you guys. I tried telling you. I put my money where my mouth was. I picked him up in my league, and guess what? He crushed it. One assist, seven shots, nine hits, and 11 blocks in three games so far. Oh my goodness, those Paris are making me randy, baby. Yeah. And he plays today. Easy win here for DeHaan. Marco Scandalo. Okay, another reason maybe why I shouldn't just pick streamers because they either have a fun name to say or they had a good streaming week for me one time two years ago. I am slowly starting to learn this lesson. Blake Coleman, our shallow streamer, even though we weren't sure why he was so highly owned, he came through for us. Two points, 18 shots. Wow. 11 hits and two blocks in four games. Great week for Blake. Alex Chieson, another ludicrous streamer, hits for us once again. I don't know what my record is for ludicrous streamer picks so far this year, but it's got to be impressive. Chieson had two points in two off-day games so far this week, and Chieson plays today for us as well. Overall, that's 4 out of 10. Not what we like to see here on the stream scheme, but I do maintain the right to go back and edit that record on account if Garland scores today and gets us back to 500 for the week, which is where we want our baseline record to be for streaming weeks each week. Let's get right back to our winning ways this week. First, we're going to take a look at which teams have the best schedule this upcoming week. A very normal week, but a lot of action on those busy days. On Monday, we have eight teams playing, 24 teams playing on Tuesday, six teams playing on Wednesday, 24 teams on Thursday, four teams playing on Friday, 28 teams playing on Saturday and 8 teams playing on Sunday. So very busy on the normal busy days of Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So as always, make sure you're checking your lineups to see who might be riding the bench those days. And if they are, they might make sense to cut. Uh, not a lot of teams have good schedules this week. 12 teams 
play no off day games this week. 13 teams only play just one off day game this week. Five teams play two off day games this week. And only one team plays three off day games this week. Obviously, that one team has the best schedule this week, and that is the Colorado Avalanche. They play on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Only three times, but all off day games. And of course, they finish their week early, so we always love to see that. The second best schedule of the week goes to the Boston Bruins as they play four times this week with two off day games playing Monday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Saturday. So since they finished their week on Saturday, I like their schedule just a bit more than the third best schedule of the week belonging to the Vegan Golden Knights who play four times on Tuesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Sunday. After that, there are three teams who play just three times this week, but two of the days are on off days, those teams being Ottawa Senators, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Washington Capitals. So let's not waste any more time. My first forward streamer pick of the week is going to be James Van Riemsdyk of the Philadelphia Flyers. JVR has not had himself a good season, ladies and gentlemen, especially for the amount of money he's making, as many Philadelphians are aware. 14 points in just 30 games will not cut the mustard. However, I mean, he's still skating with Drew at even strength, and while I don't really know exactly what Philly is doing with their power play right now, uh, last game they had JVR with Hayes and Couturier with Provorov and Niskanen on the defense, I think, and then their other unit had Drew and Voracek with Ghost Bear. I, I'm not sure. It's looking like they're mixing and matching, trying to find something that sticks, but right now, all I can tell you for certain is that JVR is at least in the mix for that top power play and is playing with Drew at even strength. His ice time ain't great, but he did have two points in his last game, so maybe, just maybe, this will be the week where he starts to build up some points in the coaching staff lets him start gaining a little bit more playing time again that's the bet I'm willing to take this week and add in the fact that Philly is one of only six teams to play two off day games this week it's not a bad bet he is owned in 25% of leagues but eh, a lot of that is where he was drafted and forgot about most likely he should be available in a lot of competitive leagues just like he is available in the toughest league in the world tier one of Kakuffle pick up JVR this week. My next forward streamer is going to be Cody Glass of the Vegas Golden Knights. Now don't get me wrong, Cody Glass ain't great, by no means. Glass is very appropriate for the type of fantasy hockey player he is because he can break very easily. He doesn't give you perifs, he doesn't give you a lot of time on ice, but what he does give you is guaranteed deployment right now. Cody Glass has been playing on the power play with Stone and Pacioretty for quite a while now, so that seems pretty locked in, and he is also locked in on that third line with Alex Tuck, who is obviously as hot as can be right now, so he's what we would call completely line dependent, but for one week where the Golden Knights have one of the best schedules, we can live with that. Vegas had a, they've had a very meh season so far. They're hanging around the playoff race, but not really doing nearly as well as many thought they would, since a lot of people picked them to be the Western Conference winner, which I still happen to think is a very real possibility. So it never hurts to load up on Golden Knights for weeks when they might break out, such as this one. Cody Glass is owned in just 4% of leagues, so pick up Cody Glass. Uh, not me, I already own four Golden Knight skaters, but you probably should pick up Cody Glass.
My next forward streamer this week is going to be Matt Calvert of the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I know what you're thinking as you enter his name into your player search engine. Hey, hello, ding dong, he's injured. Why would you stream him? To which I will reply, uh, hello, ding dong, he's not injured. He missed Saturday's game due to a previous family commitment. Now, granted, that's super weird. You'd think if he was having a baby or something, he would just say that. Just describing it as a previous family commitment makes it sound like he doesn't want to say what it is. Like, maybe he's ashamed that he's missing a game to go to his nephew's bar mitzvah or something, or like, maybe he really wanted to see his second cousin twice removed tie the knot or something. I have no idea, but I really do want to know the answer. But regardless, I'll take a shot with saying that it's something that won't make Matt Calvert miss any more games. I feel like if it was like a family health issue, he would have said that. But as long as he's playing, I really like Matt Calvert this week. He very sneakily has 15 points in 22 games this season, which would be a 56-point pace. Now, granted, that would destroy his previous season high of 26 points over the course of a season. And yes, Calvert is kind of getting up there at 30 pretty soon and yes he looks a little creepy but hey all of that doesn't mean that Matt Calvert can't get a couple points for us this week as the Avalanche have the best schedule of the week uh, so pick up Matt Calvert he's only 2% owned and if he doesn't do good for us this week that means we will no longer pick up players who are giving uh, sketchy details and who also look sketchy. My next forward streamer of the week is an old friend. Sometimes I just can't help myself when the weekly schedule is just right and that deployment is looking silky. Mm. Sometimes you just can't resist the siren song of those old friends even when you know they're probably just going to end up hurting you in the end. I'm dipping my spoon into a little Denton yogurt Heineken Heinen this week. Denton Heinen. Listen, I get it. He's an old friend, but every time we stream him, he stinks. But he's our stinky old friend, okay? And we just don't give up on old friends just for being stinky. We encourage them and build them up, not make fun of them and tear them down. We won't tell him how he only has one point in his last six games. Oh, no. We'll be like, hey, Dan Heinen, isn't it awesome how you've pretty much locked in that top power play? Pretty cool how you totally stole that spot from Jake DeBrusque. Look at you, Mr. Steal Your Girl over here. And Danton Heinen, don't you worry about that tough point stretch that you're on. Here at the Stream Scheme, we just happen to think that means you're due for a great week this week. And look at that beautiful schedule, why don't you? Playing four times on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I love it. Heinen is only 2% done in leagues, so he's available everywhere. Pick up some Denton yogurt and some Heinen Heinekens this week. For my last regular forward streamer this week, I'm going back once again to that Ottawa Senators well. And I know I've done it a lot, but one, as I've pointed out before, the Senator streamers have been better to us than any other team this year, so know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. And two, even though I didn't mention them in the bad streaming schedules for the rest of the year, they just made the cut at 30% for the rest of the way and after this week that's going to fall down to 28 percent so we gotta still pick our ottawa senators one last time while we can to see if there's any magic left in that hat 
for us. And the Ottawa Senator we are going with this week is Connor Brown. Connor Brown, who, by the way, is right wing, left wing eligible, so we love to see that. But more importantly, he is playing alongside Baby Chucks, Brady to Chuck, and potential streamer of the year, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, on that top line of Ottawa. Now, granted, he's not on the top power play either, but they shift that around a bunch, which they always do, which always really grinds my gears. But I think I'd rather have someone that has even strength deployment over someone who has top power play time in Ottawa. And that top line is playing a ton. Connor Brown had 20 minutes and 23 seconds two games ago. And in his last game, he had 20 minutes and 53 seconds. So we definitely love that trend that is going on right now. Hopefully it can continue for one more week as Ottawa has a good schedule this week, playing on Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. So even if you just wanted to pick them up for that Monday and Wednesday and then grab someone like a Cody Glass who has a Friday, Sunday for your own personal stream Agami, hey, why not? He's only 4% owned, so what the hey, pick up Connor Brown and let's roll with a Senator one more time this week. Our first defensive streamer this week is going to be Ryan Graves of the Colorado Avalanche. He's a little bit on the higher side than we normally like to see at 22% owned right now, but that also includes a plus 17% increase in just the last day. So I like to imagine that a bunch of people were just looking ahead at the schedule for next week and realize that the Avs are the only team that plays three off day games next week and that Ryan Graves stands out above the rest. Now, he's certainly not known for his scoring, but he does have four points in his last six games, which actually kind of hurts us as well, because really we just love Ryan Graves for those sweet, sweet perifs, baby. 44 shots, 43 hits, and 65 blocks. It doesn't really jump off the screen at you, but it's the level of consistency that he's been able to do it at. He hasn't had good ice time all season, but lately that has increased as he's played over 20 minutes in two of his last three games, and ice time is obviously important, but even more so for Perifs guys. The only time that Ryan Graves has scored less than two couple points in his last 12 games were in games where he only played 12 minutes apiece. So hopefully, as long as this new trend of increased ice time keeps up, I think Ryan Graves is not only just a great stream for this week, but as I mentioned, Colorado has a great schedule the rest of the year, so he could be someone who sticks on your roster the rest of the way. So pick up. Ryan Graves. Our next defensive streamer is going to be Matt Niskanen of the Philadelphia Flyers. Again, a little bit on the higher side at 22% owned, but hey, I finished under 500 this past week in my picks, so get off my back. He's still available in the top tier of Kakupful, the toughest league in the world, so I don't want to hear it. Niski is an easy pick, though, this week. I'm actually still surprised he's still unknown in my league. I might have to change that. He's a Perifs guy, and unlike Ryan Graves, Matt Niskanen is of no threat of losing his huge amount of ice time. Last game, he played 26 minutes and 28 seconds. You just love to see that from your Perifs guys. He's got 56 shots, 60 hits. 39 blocks all that to go along with 13 points so hey if we can get a point once every three games to go along with good consistent perifs we will take that every day of the week and twice on sunday so pick up our old pal niski where you can and my last defensive streamer pick this week is going to be Braden McNabb of the Vegas Golden Knights. Again, a little bit higher owned than we like to see at 19% ownage, but I have got to imagine that the majority of those people are in hits leagues, as this man likes to hit. 94 hits so far this year for Braden McNabb, which is good for 8th overall in the NHL. 
but he also gets a decent amount of blocks as well at 53, although I'd like to see that be a little bit higher since he doesn't really shoot only about once per game at 31 shots per season. He doesn't really score either, only six points, so about once every five games, if at that. Hopefully, like Ryan Graves, I think a lot of that does correlate to his ice time, though, which is trending up for Braden McNabb. Over his last 12 games, there were four times where McNabb only saw 17 minutes or less of time on ice, which is pretty gross for a defensive man. However, in his last three games, he has had more than 21 minutes and 43 seconds in each of those three games. So if that trend continues, we could be finding a solid perifs guy on the cheap here in Braden McNabb. And of course, Vegas has a great schedule, so pick up Braden McNabb this week and hopefully he can keep it going. For my Shallow League streamer of the week, this is an easy one. I'm going with Alex Tuck of the Vegas Golden Knights. I was absolutely kicking myself that I didn't pick him up as a streamer before he blew up. Uh, but I think he's now firmly entrenched on that power play in Vegas with Marcia Show, Carlson, and Smith. And even though it is a 50-50 uh, power play split, we still love to see that. And really, he's just driving his own play right now and looking great. So even though I missed out on him as a streamer the previous week, I made up for it with picking him right away after that two-goal game. And he's been hot ever since. So can he keep up this pace? Certainly not. Uh, but I'd be happy with like a 55-point pace from him the rest of the way. And Vegas has a great schedule this week. So hey, he's still only owned in 28% of leagues. So if your league is one of those 72% where he's available, then pick him up and see if the hotness can keep going for at least one more week. And for my ludicrous streamer of the week, I'm going with someone who, believe it or not, actually came through for us previously this year. Never thought I'd be streaming this old son of a gun again, but what the hey, I'm doing it. It's old man Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton is somehow putting up great numbers recently. He had two points in his last game and six points in his last six games. What? Are they somehow letting him use like a special old man like hockey stick that lets him cheat somehow? Like what in the world is going on here? He's like 54 years old. How is he doing it? This might end up being a better story than Yager was playing at like 45. Scott Lawton must at least have 12, 12 years on Yager minimum. But either way, so he's playing with Hayes. Uh, so I guess he's just kind of going along with all the points that he's getting. For a ludicrous streamer, you could do a lot worse, I guess. He's only 1% owned, and he's got a pretty good schedule this week. So pick up old man Scott Lawton. So there we have it. To recap our streamers for the week, starting on Monday, December 9th. 2019 are the following forward streamers James Van Riemsdyk, Cody Glass, Matt Calvert, Denton Heinen, and Connor Brown. Our defensive streamers are Ryan Graves, Matt Niskanen, and Braden McNabb. Our shallow league streamer of the week is Alex Tuck. And our ludicrous streamer of the week is old man Scott Lyon. Good luck to everyone this week. Feel free to hit me up on the Keeping Carlson Facebook patron page or on Twitter at Davey Betts. Thank you once again, everyone, for tuning in. And don't forget what the great Mario Lopez once said. The future belongs to those who believe in their streams. See ya.